I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Into the Superverse. We've got another fresh-from-the-theater movie for y'all this week. That is, of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Baby? Baby. We're one of the few that liked the movie? Yeah, I guess. We're going we're gonna to get into uh, all the criticism, all the commentary that we've seen, what we've, what we've read. I, I realize now, I just said fresh from the theater. We are, in fact, about... Four days Yeah, not out. that fresh. Not fresh, but, you know, a theatrical release, I guess, is what I meant. But, uh, yeah, so we're, we're kicking off Phase 5 of the MCU with this one. Uh, phase 4 wrapped up with Black Panther. Uh, didn't really tie anything together. Don't really know what made it <laughs> its own phase. Um, but here we are. We're returning to a character which we have not seen since Avengers Endgame, which we will be covering on next week's episode for our two-year anniversary of the pod. Tune in. Endgame. Yeah. Coming at ya. Big moves. But uh, yeah, we're, we're dealing with, you know, what, what Scott Lang has been up to these days and also setting up our new overarching villain of, of the next phase. Well, I just have one thing to say to the internet. Internet haters out there, it's never too late to stop being a dick. (laughs) Who knew that we could all learn a little life lesson while watching uh, Corey Stoll's malformed corpse die again? Top, top five things I did not expect to ever say, especially coming out of this movie. Wasn't expecting to see that character again. No, Uh, I I know that Modoc is like definitely one of the more out there characters that they could have chosen to bring into the MCU. Uh, he recently had a, I think there was a show on Hulu with Modoc with a uh, Patton Oswalt voicing him. He also showed up in the Avengers game from a couple of years ago, but this is like, you know, to, to adapt a character like this, even though, you know, he's not like a main character of the movie, but to do so like pretty faithfully visually, that was a, uh, that was a bold move. And I respect how weird they were willing to get with the visuals of this. I feel like it only works in a place like this. Oh, absolutely. You couldn't bring Modoc into an Iron Man movie or into like, yeah, something like in the real world, but like the inherent goofiness of the quantum realm. Yeah, this they, they seized that opportunity and I thought it was cool. I did feel like the quantum realm was basically just like the set of one of the Star Wars movies. Or shows like it felt very like Mandalorian or yeah, regular Star Wars, I think, which is like fine, but I, I feel like they could have, I don't, I don't know what the quantum realm is supposed to be like, but it felt too akin to like space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really know either. Like, you know, if they we're uh, we're building this the this version of the quantum realm in line with how it's presented in the comics or not but i agree and i also think part of that is because they use the same uh like visual technology that was kind of pioneered i think on the set of the mandalorian it's this thing called like the volume basically instead of a green screen they like use this system um which is i think by all accounts like it's cheaper in some ways to like produce the kind of visuals that they need for this. But at the same time, it makes a lot of the things that use it look samey just because like all of the produced uh, effects and landscapes and stuff can end up feeling like they blur together a bit. Um, But like, I think at this point Disney's all in on the technology. So that's how we end up with it. I definitely was thinking star Wars and like the whole rebel group thing. made me feel like star Wars. I was going to say like all of the character and costume designs, uh, also, is getting a little bit of Spy Kids 3D, <laughs> you know. I don't. Uh, I saw like well, the first thing I saw was like a comparison of like there's a shot in one of the trailers of Scott, Hope, and Cassie all standing there like with their respective suits on. So you got like the red, the yellow, and the purple. And someone like clipped it and compared it to like 
a screenshot from Spy Kids 3D where they're like wearing like these armored suits in very, very similar colors. Uh, and then you have like just like the whole vibe of it was very much like we're in like this Spy Kids 3D. They were in like virtual reality or something. But yeah, honestly, they were like stuck in a video game. The vibe is similar. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked the, the weirdness of it overall. But yeah, I do. I do think it felt very Star Wars. Um, yeah, I also like, I realized that they, they were making it no secret that this was going to be like a really big departure from the first two Ant-Man movies. Uh, you know, both in terms of like the kind of like the role or the purpose that it's serving in the greater MCU, like the first two Ant-Man movies were like palate cleansers after big events, like after civil war and infinity war. But this one is like kicking things off. Like we we're checking in with these characters again we're not coming off of a big event. Um, so they had to do like a lot of heavy lifting because we had seen Kang once technically, but it wasn't really Kang and it was also in a TV show. So it didn't feel like quite as official, but while I, I respect what they're doing, I thought it did a pretty good job of that. Uh, it was, you know, I think we seriously missed the inclusion of the supporting cast big time. Yeah. I think um, it lost a lot of its character of like what makes Ant-Man different than the other movies. Like this movie's now doing like a lot of heavy lifting like a Captain America movie would have done previously. And I don't know if that fits for Ant-Man. Like I get, get going into the quantum realm and using that to introduce Kang, but it's putting a lot on Ant-Man's shoulders where like, Ant-Man doesn't have a lot of room to, like, move. Like, we get who he is. He's not going on this, like, big journey like Iron Man or Captain America was. Yeah. And, like, on that note, like, I, I agree with, like, a lot of the sentiment that I've seen that, like, I already mentioned a phase four ended, you know, without, like, the last, the first three phases, they ended with Avengers movies, or they ended close to Avengers movies. You'd have one, and then you'd have, like, a little epilogue. Um, but you know, we haven't had like a team up of any of the new characters that we've been introduced to well, over the past, like two Doctor years. Strange. Well, yeah, that's true. Like it's not, but like, you know, a big like event, like a culmination of things. And, uh, I think that I don't, you know, th they, they know the arc that they want to do. That's why they've already announced the next two Avengers movies, which aren't coming out for another two years. But I do think this movie like does suffer under that weight because Scott doesn't really have like much of a arc. He doesn't, there's not a lot of character development. You know, it, we see him like being painted as like, he's kind of like lazy. He's like gotten, um, just he's he's, like, very self-satisfied. He's got his book. He's not really like, yeah, he's not doing stuff. He's not like making big strides. He's not doing like superhero shit anymore. And we have commentary from Cassie about that. And for, for other characters as well, but like, I just don't really think we get like a really good, uh, you know, end point to what they were setting up. And a big thing for me is I was under the impression based on the trailers, at least, which is probably, you know, deliberate. I thought Scott's motivation for this movie would be, you know, working to get the time back that he lost being a dad to Cassie. And, like, they have her say, like, oh, well, you weren't around. And, like, you know, he's, like, hurt by that. And, you know, in the trailer, it's, like, Kang to Scott is, like, well, I have something that, like, only I can give you. And it's time. Like, because, you know, you want that time back. And I was, like, okay, cool. Because, like, that gives Scott, like, a reason to, like, act rashly. It gives, like, stakes. Yeah. But then, like, in the movie, that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's just they don't like... really <laughs> address that at all. I mean, a little bit, like you said. Um, I, it feels like, well, one, Cassie's such a cause girl. Like, it's really <laughs> funny. Um, she like has this line where she's like, just because it's not happening to you, dad, doesn't mean it's not happening. Like, it's so like teenager, like really getting involved, especially like today, like very Gen Z energy, which is fine. So I felt like they were, they had something good going with Cassie and like the character that they wanted her to be. But then they were also like trying to establish something with Michelle Pfeiffer and like hope and like 
but still making Scott or Paul Rudd like the center of the film and that like didn't match up like and I think they really like didn't know what they wanted to do with Hope because she was literally like a set piece for this she movie. She didn't do shit. She she had no impact. She was just like you're not telling us something mom and that's <laughs> it. Like and like she and Cassie and Hank are like doing their own thing like like we think but like they they don't even really get that involved in that so they had a lot of characters in this like quote-unquote family and didn't know how to like spread that out or center it yeah totally and because like the first two movies had such a clear focus on like the relationships that they were building it around you know, the first one being like Hope and Hank, like repairing their relationship, being able to discuss what happened to Janet. The second movie, getting Janet back and like how much that's weighing on them. This one, it's like, well, we're all here. Cassie's a superhero now. We all get along great. Yeah. But like, also, where's Bobby Cannaval and Judy Greer? Sorely missed. Sorely missed. Like they kept referring <laughs> to them. I was like, did they die? Do we not know that? They weren't even there at the end at dinner. I know. How, how do we have Jimmy Woo? in here for a five second cameo, but not them. Like, could you not afford it? Also, <laughs> someone like was asking about, um, Luis, um, Michael Pena's character. And they were like, well, is he at least like in the post credit scene? And I didn't say, cause I hadn't seen it yet. I didn't say anything, but I'm like, that would have been great if they had just included like a small thing with him, like at the end being like, Oh, you know, let me tell you about this thing that happened. Yeah. Like they totally should have, like, I I get what they were trying to do, making this, like, a launch pad for, like, the next big thing, but, like, I think... But it, it's still an Ant-Man movie. Right. And I was going to say, I think it, like, betrayed some of, like, what made the other two Ant-Man movies so good. Did the person that did the first two Ant-Man movies help with this? Uh, yeah, I mean, he same director. That's surprising. I mean, some of the zingers were consistent. Like, I think there were really funny lines. Like, I loved all the book stuff coming back multiple times, like... There were some good one-liners. Yeah, the jokes in this were funny, and that's not that hasn't been guaranteed. Like in like in Thor, there were like a lot of Thor: Love and Thunder. There were like a lot of jokes that didn't land, but in this one, like it was it was a lot tighter. Like I think the best joke payoff in this was <laughs> I have holes. This character I have holes. that was like asking everyone about how many holes they had and then he finally got holes at the end i thought that was like one of the funniest bits of the movie i i really enjoyed that i think that character's name is like veb or something and i i think i was saying in the theater um david dasmal chain who played kurt in the first two movies voiced that character so he was the only one that got to uh come back i also want to talk about cassie because uh to me, like her character in this was so strange. Like, so the way I was thinking about it was like, I don't, I didn't mind Catherine Newton. Um, I thought she did a fine job, but it was fine because when you had like, I thought uh, Paul Rudd and Jonathan Majors were giving like really, really good performances. And um, I, I was struggling with it because I think I've talked about it on the pod before, but Emma Furman, who played Cassie, older Cassie, in Endgame for a short scene. Very short. Very short. But she got, like, totally, like, blown off. Like, they recast her. Right. And didn't tell her. She had to find out with everything else. And I, I don't know. I just don't think... Well, one, I was like, I don't think she did a good enough job to, like, validate doing something that shitty to another actor. But that's kind of... It's not her neither fault. Neither here nor there. No, it's not. It's not Catherine she Newton's fault. She didn't do anything. Right. Well, Marvel Studios did. So I thought that was shitty. Um, but also, like, to me, like, she didn't really... Obviously, like, we're dealing with a very different Cassie, but, like, somehow it, like, didn't quite feel right. Like, maybe they just didn't spend enough time, like, after they got to the quantum realm on, like, developing their relationship or, like, discussing it more than just, like, a couple, like, digs that she makes before they even get there. Um, but I just felt like she, I think, again, just, like, the victim of this movie having to be, like, a Kang exposition thing. Like, you know, the character arcs just suffered because of that. Right. And the movie is, you know, it's not like it's short, but it was... This movie was only in service to, like, the greater storytelling of Marvel, which feels like a waste. Absolutely. And I do think, I, you know, it's not the only criticism, but I, I, some of the reviews that I've seen are like, this one in particular really feels like 
a stopgap. Not not a filler per se, but like I don't know what you mean by that. Like I was just basically repeating what you said. Like it's it's set up. It's like yeah. what people's problem was was like Age of Ultron, like setting up future stuff and sacrificing its own plot for the sake of a movie that's gonna come out two years from now. I mean we I did start this out by saying that we did like it and <laughs> Yes, we did like it. I think I do like yeah. I think it's still like a fun movie. Like it's fun being in the quantum realm. We had some really good fight scenes, and I think the best, the strongest part of this movie is, like, Jonathan Majors as Kang. So, like, yes, I think that they sacrifice things, but, like, the end goal is, like, getting this, like, really good villain and getting to spend a lot of time with him is, like, a huge benefit. And something we've been looking for in the other Marvel movies is more connective tissue. So we got all of the connective tissue and not as much of the other stuff so they're kind of figuring out their balancing act i think yeah absolutely yeah it just yeah it makes me wonder about like what their plan is because now like i i was asking myself like how are we going to get from here to avengers the kang dynasty in two years like that seems like a lot to like bring together I don't think so i feel like we've laid a lot of groundwork for multiverse for kang and loki like the seeds are all there. Like, I think it's going to come together. Like, the Thanos plot didn't come together until, like, Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the the Thanos thing had the advantage of, like, like Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Like, you got a lot of screen time there. But maybe that's that. That's what the this movie will, yeah. will serve. Um, I also, like, totally thought that being this, like, you know, it's the end of a trilogy... And so far, the only MCU series to get more than three movies has been Thor. Um, didn't really feel like final. Um, oh, no. I thought like I honestly like if if I had to put money on it before, I would have been like Hank is going to get killed. Like, I definitely thought someone was going to die. Like, Modoc does not count. Like, I thought it was going to be like a big, like dramatic thing to like demonstrate that Kang is not to be fucked with. And like someone gets killed. Uh, and I was pretty, pretty surprised when that didn't happen. Yeah, I don't, they don't know what they want to do with Hank. Michael Douglas may not be here for many more movies. He's, like, he's looking pretty old in this one. Like, yeah, they had him like separate a lot of the time from them. Um, like he had a small role. I also didn't like that um, Michelle Pfeiffer kept calling him Henry. Cause I was like, who's Henry? <laughs> I, like, forgot what his name was. And then someone said Hank later. I was like, oh, right, it's Hank. Who the fuck is Henry? Henry. Which, it makes sense. But I was just like, what? I mean, I just... I want to know, like, outside of the context of the movie, how Hank became short for Henry. I got questions about that. Same way, like, Peg is short for Margaret. Yes. Also, like, what? <laughs> what is that? Um, yeah, I, I feel like I keep bitching. But I have other things that I, I want to bitch about. Um... One of them being, oh, wait, hold on. I totally lost my, uh, my spot. What were we just talking about? Ant family. Um, someone, not killing someone dying. Michael Douglas. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I was just like, well, what are we, why do we have so many characters here? And you know, like, are we really going to like continue all of these stories? There wasn't anything to like close out, you know, for a dramatic note. Or if they wanted to center Cassie, like, establish her relationship with each of these characters more. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I think they could have afforded like another like five to 10 minutes before they go to the quantum realm, setting some of this stuff up. Cause we get there pretty fast. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a mad dash, you know, setting up Kang and getting the dude, like pulling off like this little like heist and all of that stuff that like, there's no time for these character moments. I also wanted to note that like, I, I thought the ending was kind of strange, like the way that it ended. Yeah, I had predicted a different ending, like a three quarters of the way through the film. I'm like, oh, they're going to like go back in a different time. Like I assumed when they sent themselves back to like present day, they would have accidentally sent themselves back at in the wrong time or the wrong spot in time or even a different universe. Um and that feels like a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what they're setting this up for, but like, 
I would have thought that like they would have like been off the map and that was going to be like something that they come back to later. Yeah. So when I was, I was reading uh, like the discussion threads, seeing what people's thoughts were and someone noted that the script for this had leaked with the full script a while ago. And the ending in that original version was Kang gets out and hope and Scott are like stuck again. Like, you know, Scott is trapped again and they're like, it's a very intentional, like, repetition like Cassie Janet and Hank are all out but like they they lose the fight basically and they're like shit now what um and I was like totally expecting that because like Kang is the next big thing and I don't necessarily agree with some people's takes on it but I feel like the ending kind of like betrays what the movie is trying to tell us about Kang because yes this isn't the Kang like, clearly, we're not, this is not the one that's going to be, like, coming back and fighting all of the, the new Avengers that we have. But, um, this dude got smoked by Ant-Man. Like, him what? and... Is he really dead? But, like, the, the Council of Kangs is, like, he's dead. Like, the exiled one is dead. But I also don't think it's about one particular Kang. Like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, one Kang is going to kill everybody. Like, I think they're all dangerous in different ways. Yes, that is true. So that's fair. I just thought, like... Well, I guess it's not even about that for me because I was like, yeah, I, I know that like the whole idea of Kang is that there's infinite Kangs. He's like a, you can't op- like close that can of worms. That um, Kang of worms? A- but the only thing I didn't like was that even though it made sense because Cassie mentioned that she had the technology, but then being like the, the portal closing and then just being like, damn, and then being like, all right, let's go home. And I think... I read that that was like only, you know, they reshot that ending like within like the last two months. Like that was a very recent change. So I'm like, they were testing it and people were like, fuck this. We don't want him stuck in the quantum realm again. But I'm like, come on. I didn't want him stuck in the quantum realm and I thought it worked, but I like did some mental work on my own. I think I was like, well, it probably seems like seconds to them because time works differently. But they were like working on the outside longer to Mm -hmm. get them back. Yeah. For, for them, it was like almost immediate. Mm-hmm. True. I Yeah, that's probably right. I was just kind of like felt weird about it. It felt like very like I just didn't when they like the portal opened to bring them back. I was like, this like was too easy. Like, I don't know. It just seemed off. But I get it if they didn't like want to repeat themselves with the end of the second. Yeah, because we've already had Janet stuck down there. Then, yeah, Scott was stuck down there. Like, I love your idea, though. I wish they had done that. I really thought that 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 was going to be what happened. Because, like, when they did that at the end of uh, Loki, he comes back and it's like everything's wrong. And, you know, like, we had Scott deal with that when he came out of the Quantum Realm and Endgame being, like, you know, totally (laughs) out of his element. I think that would have been really cool and also just, like, a very, like, an ominous setup for, like, what's to come and, like, the idea of... They they talked about, like, multiverses and incursions and all the timelines and stuff. I'm like, why didn't we... And to explain time better, it's like, yeah, you could be anywhere in your own timeline. Mm -hmm. And also, speaking of timelines, um, I totally thought that, like, we were going to get more clear-cut reference and, like, usage of stuff introduced in Loki in this. Now I kind of realize that the TVA seems to be, like, only Loki show territory. But, like... When you had thought that the TVA like was located in the quantum realm, do you still think that? I don't. I don't, I don't know. I yeah. I don't think so. But like, you know, they talk about how the the Council of Kang sent this one outside of time and space. They call his fortress in the quantum realm a citadel, mm-hmm. and they call the thing in Loki the citadel at the end of time. So I was like, is there like something? It's still possible. Afoot? And they do say like there's many universes in the quantum realm, but it just seemed like if the TVA is there, then he would have found it because he, I think he's able to move around the quantum realm. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It seemed like it, but I mean, that aside, I, I really liked how they, I loved actually how they set up like this version of Kang and how he like came to Janet and was like, you know, he's a he's an affable guy. He's a likable dude. The same way that the version that we saw at the end of Loki was. Right. Chill guy. Just yeah, like, I wanted to parse out, like, they're definitely different, right? And, like, 
the one that we meet at Loki, like he's not a conqueror. He's just like the, he's the guy at the end of the timeline. Right. Well, he like was a conqueror because he was the one that like he did the he who remains. That's what they call him in Loki. He won like the war. Like he killed everybody else. He killed all the other Kangs and he deleted all of those timelines because it was the other versions of him that were causing the problem. Mm -hmm. And he was like, so that's why Loki and Sylvie were like, yeah, dude, like what the fuck? Like you killed like trillions of people. And he was like, well, yeah, but like I did it because my other versions but then are happy. How is there like, the council of Kangs if you the, killed them all? Well, because as soon as when Sylvie killed the one in Loki, like everything just like went back to how it was. Because like Oh, because we met him at the end of that timeline. Right. Like he had done his job, but the minute that he gets killed, like all of that all of the other Kangs start doing what they're doing again. So we're like right back at it. She basically just like undid all of his work. And, you know, obviously we see that there's like hundreds, if not thousands. Well, I guess there's infinite Kangs hanging out in some sort of <laughs> like arena. Well, I think he's gonna be a really incredible villain. He's very intimidating in this. Like when they show him more his true colors, he's like he's so measured in a way that is, I think, intimidating. Yeah, when he's like threatening Cassie. Yeah. Like when they're like in jail. He's like very soft spoken. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of villain, and he's just so good at playing it. And I feel like I didn't notice it in Loki, but in this, like, I felt like his scar his face scars were really prominent i don't think he had them and like that was like a really good touch i thought yeah for his character it makes him look like he's like a warrior basically. Shit. yeah yeah i don't think the one in loki had those scars at all possibly um but yeah i, I thought that was all they did like so narrative problems aside like the definite the 10 out of 10 strength of this is like letting jonathan majors like show off what he can do with this character when he's not like a chilled out dude. Like yeah. Loki. And apparently uh, season two of Loki, he's going to be in it more because of, of course, course we get a little tease of that. Yeah. At the, at end. the post credit scene. And we here. get Morbius. Morbius. And um, Mobius. What if we did get Morbius? I mean, <laughs> maybe they're the same person. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's coming in Loki season two. It's coming in Morbius season one. <laughs> Sorry, Mobius. Uh, we're all very excited. Um, they're just they're, hanging out. They're hanging out. We see like an old timey version of Kang named Victor Timely presenting what I'm assuming is like an old school proto time travel machine. And that scene elicited a very loud bruh in our theater. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, I don't know if some people didn't know what it was because I heard some people being like, oh, like yeah, like that was like the TV show. The guy that yelled bruh knew. The yeah. people next to us like were like, oh, like, right, what? there's like a TV show or something. Is that Loki? <laughs> so that was really cool. I'm guessing that means um, season two of Loki will be coming out sometime In the summer, soon-ish. Maybe. Yeah. Here are some of my other notes. These are just random. Cheaty. Chibi. Love yes. seeing Chidi from The Good Place. He played the guy that can like read minds, which kind of underutilized. Like, where was he for half the movie? Right. We could have we could have used him to read Kang's mind. Did you want to talk about the rebel group? Is that what you're gonna say about Cassie earlier? Possibly. And like her like getting involved with that. Um I don't I didn't have a note on it. Uh I did kind of think like I don't know how I feel about, like, giving her, like, the rallying speech at right. the end. I was like... These aren't uh, your people. I'm like, Cassie, do you not understand? Like, you're... You're, uh... Hi, it's me. I'm <laughs> the problem. Like, stop taking away their platform. <laughs> stop removing... Get yourself off of the marginalized Quantum Realm people's platform, Cassie. They should have had, uh, Chidi should have done it. Or the woman that was there fighting, let her do it. She was too busy fighting. Yes, she was. Are we not giving Cassie an insect name? No. Apparently. Apparently in the She's comics, in purple. it's Stature. Okay, I asked you this a while ago and you said she didn't have one. What? 
Maybe I just didn't know it at the time because people were referring to her as like stature and I was like, huh? But they never said it. Not even in like a cheeky kind of way. Because I made this prediction when we did our last Ant-Man episode and I said, is Cassie going to have a name? Oh. Hmm. What well, other insects? Drops the ball on that. Hornet? No, that's, that's, that's what, villainous. Use Yellow Jacket. But yeah, Hornet's too close. Um, we all knew Michelle Pfeiffer was a little sus. You've had that. You've had that suspicion for a long time. I wanted to pay off more. I wanted her to be more sus. Yeah. Well, she did have an affair with Bill Murray. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. Where are we at on Bill Murray in this? Um, underutilized, overutilized, not necessary. I'm gonna say just not necessary. This felt very like. This felt like the collector in Andor character yes a little bit like somebody that's like behind the scenes like pulling the strings and i was kind of like oh is he just not in it now like i feel like he's underutilized if they want to use him but it wasn't necessary like he didn't even really we didn't even really see him get killed i mean i think he did but we don't even know like who he is and what like they were like subtexting like plot and it was like too subtle i was like okay so you were part of a rebel group and now he's like with Kang, like, what's happening? Very unclear. Yeah, I just was like, we got Bill Murray, like, to do this? Like, that's, that was, like, how much did you leave on the cutting room floor? Like, I hope that they brought him on for a bigger part and, you know, it just kind of got whittled down because the the thought that they wrote this script had that character and they were like, I know who we can get for this. I'm like, what, we couldn't have brought him back for, like, something a bit more recurring or major, I think we could have used more flashbacks. For sure. I agree. Because I think he represented... I think the Andor comparison is really good. Like, there's some level of, like, political intrigue happening in the quantum realm. Yeah. With, like, there's... You know, we have, like, a civil war. There's uh, people that are, like, loyal to Kang, and then there's people that aren't. And clearly, that, like, bar, I'm assuming, is full of people who are loyal to Kang. And everyone, like, knows who Janet is, but we don't actually ever see, like, why... Everyone knows who she is. Like, I get that she, like, blew up the thing. But other than that, like, she must have had more of an impact down there. And, like, I wanted to see that. Because she was doing her... I think Michelle Pfeiffer, like, was acting really well in this. But it was kind of like, what are you... What is the acting about? Like, you're so scared of Kang. But then, like, you're probably the least one to be scared. I don't, like... I needed more from that. They were putting a lot of character plot weight on like things that were being not told said. and not, yeah, yeah, like or not shown, yeah. mm-hmm. like a bit, a bit too much of that for sure. Um, shit, I also feel like I had. Oh well, actually, I wanted to circle back to uh, to Chidi because I was very much in the camp. Someone on Reddit a long time ago suggested him as Reed Richards. Oh, he would have been a really good Reed Richards. And I'm, like, really bummed that that didn't happen because there were so many, like, theories. It's like, oh, well, maybe he's, like, playing a version of Reed Richards that got, like, trapped there. Obviously, the mind reading part doesn't work. No, no, this was, like, well before the release of the movie. But now I'm just like, damn. Like, if only. Like, like, it would have been so cool. And then, of course, like, I couldn't get it out of my head that so much like multiverse stuff being discussed in this movie that they were going to use one of the post credits to like introduce some characters like that. But then again, I don't think any one of the fantastic four has actually been cast yet. Yeah. So I got a little bit ahead of myself, but that's okay. One of my other favorite jokes that isn't the end of the movie is when Darren says, I'm finally an Avenger or like, I'm so happy to die in an Avenger. And everyone's just like, uh-huh. You're in. He's like, you're my best friend. <laughs> I, no, I always considered you a brother. I fucking loved that. Like, that was a really funny joke. Big fan. Big fan of his moment. I, 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 some people have a problem with, like, how fast his character like, got redeemed in a comic value. I don't care. Uh, to me, Modoc is... But, like, it's not. Like, that's the whole thing is, like, n- they're not really redeeming him. They're, like, happy that he helped, but it's, like... Yeah, it's literally, like, the least you could do. Right. Like, so he's not, like, really redeemed. Yeah, he just kind of, like, did a little bit. And you then, just, like, then didn't died. stay evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, can't believe we saw his butt 
honestly like a little bit grotesque for sure. Like all like malformed before he just gets thrown into a robot suit. Yeah. Pretty gross. Um, but Hey, like really, really fun way to bring back a character that was, you know, all but forgotten about. I like when they do that. I do like that. The whole Hank subplot though, is that he's like, has this whole ant army. Like that's the most consistent character thing throughout the movies. And he's just like at the beginning before they even go to the quantum realm, it's like just ant technology. And later he's like, yeah, just ant technology. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like I'm, I'm happy that he was there to like, you know, have ants be part of the movie. Yeah. Cause like, Scott it's wasn't so going to use it. Yeah, we yeah. need we needed someone to to come through with the ant representation. Okay, and then this is my last like philosophical question, and this is for the crowd out there. Is anyone still shipping Hope and Scott? Like are <laughs> are we supposed to be like invested in their relationship because one the last movie doesn't delve into it at all. They're like not together. It doesn't feel like they're going to get back together. Mm-hmm. And then this one they're together um and they have this like moment at the end where they're like I came you came back for me. I'm like what? Like are we one are we thinking like is it a will they won't they? Of course she came back for him. Like I don't what? Like I just I don't ship them. I don't think they have like romantic chemistry. Like, I think they did a little bit in the first one, and I was, like, fine with it. But, like, they dropped that, I thought. Yeah, I don't... Like, where's uh, Wu? He has more chemistry with Agent Wu. Does. That's why they showed them having dinner and not him at home, you know? That's a really good question because, this yeah, this movie spent zero time on the idea of them as a couple. Well, yeah, they're just, like, supposed to be together in this. And I get, like, you know, after the snap or whatever, things change. Like, it's not that I'm opposed to them being together. I'm just, like, why are we spending even... Why did we shoehorn this in at the end, I Mm -hmm. guess? I totally agree. Absolutely agree. I mean, I think that just goes back to, like, our point that, like, the characters themselves just were, like, paper thin. Yeah. And, like, that's a bad sign, honestly, that if, like, if like they fucked up ant-man characters who are so well-rounded right 90 percent of it is here's kang and who he is nine percent is here's the ant family and what they're up to one percent is all the other characters who are like nothing yeah and like we're getting so many new characters now it's like well what what are they gonna do for all these new characters are they going to spend time developing them? And like, honestly, like I, it does bring me a bit of genuine concern because the writer for this is writing the Kang dynasty. And I'm like, if he is, is he going to be able to handle bringing in all of these new characters? Like the Rus, not the Russos. Um, I just forgot the names of the people that wrote infinity war and Endgame, but like they did such a good job of, having everybody come in feel right and distinct. But like, I don't know. Is does he have the, does he have the chops to do it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. know There's some backdoor conversations happening about it. now. I feel like whenever it's like someone's writing the script, it's not really just one person. No, but yeah, you're right about that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Cause I know that like for infinity war, I mean, I think they, there it's a writing team that did those. And then they had like, at that point, I mean, they weren't, they had James Gunn's help with the guardians. I think that was it though. But yeah, you know, there's probably a billion uncredited people too. A lot of producers. Yeah. The other like question mark leaving off this movie to me was that like yet again, we have another property that's introducing us to like a younger version, like a legacy version of a hero in this case it's cassie and they're like someone at marvel studios like one of the vice presidents was like yeah like we're not working on anything like young avengers related like right now but they're like introducing like, so many young ones say. like what are we doing because every single movie like in the last like like all of phase four basically was introducing a young version of a hero we had america chavez we have um we have Kate Bishop, we have Miss Marvel, we have uh Love from Love and Thunder. What's she gonna do? We have the two kids from Scarlet Witch. Uh-huh. I'm like, we're doing all this and there's no plan for it? 
I guess it doesn't matter now because they're all going to be like 30 years old by the time they show Iron up into the Heart. movie. Yeah. I mean, she's like older, but. But like, you know, they presented her as young yeah. com- in comparison. And it was like, these are, they're putting a lot of time into these characters and not like Ironheart, for example, is like getting a show. Yeah. And like Ms. Marvel has stuff going on. But and like not it everybody, sounds like America though. Chavez is going to come back and other stuff. Yeah. But it's just like, what are we, what's the plan? And now Kevin Feige is like talking about how they're going to like start slowing things down a little bit. And I'm like, oh, we just, we have a lot of characters in the mix. I'm like, when, when the hell are we going to see Moon Knight again? What, what, who? Right. <laughs> like they're like, yeah, we're probably not going to do a second season. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> I can't, I don't want them. This isn't even, this has nothing to do with Quantumania because I don't think it's a problem for these characters. But like, I would, I kindly request of you, Marvel Studios, don't introduce a character if you don't have a plan for them within the next three years. Well, or like have one-offs, but like make sure like it's established that like they're not, they don't have any plans of being, I guess, brought into that. Like Moon Knight, I could see them just doing another season and not, and I guess they don't have to say it, but they could just like not plan on having Moon Knight be part of it. They're just doing an adaptation. Yeah. Like they did the Halloween special. Right. Like I think that they have created this MCU and now they, they want to do other projects, but like that might not fit into an overarching story, but they still want to do like a Moon Knight series. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that they should be able to do that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing is that directly like defies what people's expectations are for the MCU right now. But if they had a more robust MCU and they were doing that, and then they also did some of these like one-off projects, I think it would be fine. It's just that, everything coming out lately has felt very disjointed. Yeah. Like you mentioned Dr. Strange and that's like the only one that we've gotten. Like that's like bringing things together. Yeah. And like the Marvel's will, but now that's not coming out until November of this year instead of July. And that, it'll be that, here before we know it. Like that's not that far away. It will. It's not a huge gap between Miss Marvel and that, but yeah, it's just like, I want to see some of these other characters, but it's just like, well, what's what's the plan? And I, 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 I do think they'll be able to pull it off. But like Infinity War was such like a flash in the pan. Like we brought all of these characters right. together, had to meet. And now we have more characters who are like, you know, in those Infinity War characters, they were coming in from trilogies. Like, you know, we, we knew them very well. And now we've got characters like, uh, I mean, I don't think She-Hulk is going to show up possibly maybe yeah maybe moon knight won't either but like you know the sam wilson version of captain america it's like we're gonna see him again like so many years later yeah what are we gonna do but if they're like trying to use like actual comics to base this off of like some of their newer characters aren't part of big comics like that one because they're so new and two like they're just i think they're trying to be more inclusive and more diverse and not all of those characters are in some of these like big group projects. Yeah, that's for sure. Like they were able to do Endgame because they're basing it off of a comic Mm -hmm. like that had like the outline for them. Like obviously like they did their own thing with it, but like what other outline are they using? Like, I mean, they have, they could do a lot with X-Men, but they're obviously not doing like a straight up X-Men series right now. Yeah. Yeah, the seeds are being sown, um, but it's still going to be a while before we, you know, start to figure things out. Even like the little the bits and pieces that we got for crossovers, like the post credit scene for Shang Chi, where like Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel. Oh, were Shang Chi! There. There's another one. Where are we going to see him fit into all this? Oh, and that totally reminds me that I also saw like some another like little conspiracy theory um, when the first trailer for Ant Man, the the third Ant Man came out. And you see, like, all of the moving rings around Kang's fortress, which are, like, used for the shield. Someone was like, these look like the Ten Rings. And I was like, oh, shit. I thought they looked like Doctor Strange symbols. It did, yeah. Or Scarlet Witch or whatever. Like, that, like, magic. Yeah. But I was like, well, we had, like, this bit about, like, the the rings were, like, transmitting a signal and they didn't know right. where it's coming from. Yeah, I'm like, that's true. And I'm like, fuck, there's nothing. I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm like, what, what is this? There's, I know that's not going to be addressed in the Kang dynasty because why would it? And it might, Well, maybe we don't know. It's true. 
I don't know. We don't know what's connected, which is fun. Like, not that's kind of stuff is fun. Not knowing it will be less fun if it, like, never, if, like, none of this stuff ever comes to fruition. Like, what's Kit Harrington doing? <laughs> he's never, you he's know? Ne- he's never coming back. He's never coming back. When's Brett Goldstein coming back? Like, yeah, like, I, <laughs> seriously, and that might not be for a very long time. He's very tight-lipped about it, you know? Like, we're not going to get anything out of him. No, we're not. He's no Tom Holland <laughs> or Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, as soon as, we'll know that something's in the works if one of those two says something. Because, yeah, they, they can never shut up. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's, it's a little bit frustrating just thinking about how, like, a lot of the sequels that we got before, you know, you, you, you think about how there is only a two-year gap between Captain America the Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War. And that was, like, that wait was, like, oh, yeah, like, I can't fucking wait for this movie to come out. And now it's kind of like it seems like it's a given that it's going to be like three, four years between sequels. And I'm like, you're you're asking a lot of people to remember and stay invested in stories for that long of gaps. I'm just I'm concerned that people are not going to like buy into that. You you dangle these cool characters in front of them and then you're like, all right, Um, check it out later. All right. I'd like to pull back before we wrap up. And just say some overarching things you liked about the movie. Yeah, this was, yeah, this feels like we I was just taking a shit on it. So, yes, uh, this movie, like, in spite of everything that we just talked about, I did, <laughs> I genuinely, in spite of it all. I genuinely did enjoy it. Um, I thought it was, like, a very fun, like, kind of, like, goofy, like, wacky sci-fi romp that got to do, like, a lot of character and environment things that the normal, like, MCU world wouldn't allow for go like off the wall with the visuals, all of like the thing with, um, the infinite Ant-Man's like the opportunities store. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. That was great. Really cool. Yeah. And they're all like working together to save Cassie. Like I thought that was great because of course that's like the common thread is like, we, we can agree on this. And you had the one guy that just worked for Baskin Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. Um, yeah. And like, even though we talked about uh, like the lack of development, I still liked having, the ant fam together. I thought it was like really cool just to like actually see Cassie go from being like, yeah, I would be like a good sidekick to like actually being a capable sidekick. Yeah. And like kind of like learning, learning on the job her powers. Too. Yeah. I Cause like that too. we had never seen like Scott teach somebody else. He's always been like Hank is Hank or hope is yeah. telling him what to do. And he's like, no, like here's how you fight. You have to like, like, use just the momentum. Like, that. like you just do it like that. Yeah. Did you watch me? <laughs> right. <laughs> And I thought that was really fun. And you combine all that with, yeah, like the, the menacing factor that is Kang permeating the whole movie. Menacing is a good word, yeah. And they did a good job of like talking about like, oh, like him, like, you know, and everyone's like, who the fuck are you talking about? And of course, we all know who they're talking about. And so in my head, I'm like, I want to see Kang. I want to see Kang. But we didn't know like which Kang, you know. Right. Not that we know the different ones, but like we didn't know what version we're getting. Yeah. Um, I also really liked the opening up of, like, I guess, for lack of a better word, like, powers. Like, Kang has his own set of, like, technology and skills. We have, the like, the guy that can read minds and, like, different stuff like that. And I think that's fun to open up, like, um, more characters like that. Yeah. Like, I, I want that to, like, come out of the quantum realm, too. Yeah. We've talked about it before. Uh, like, DC characters or like at least in more recent adaptations and in general, they get like goofier powers that are like, they don't yeah. feel the need to explain it all. The polka dot guy. Yeah. Speaking of what's his name. Right. David. But like the Isn't MC- he from Andy? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the MCU, like a lot of the times they feel the need to like explain powers and have them be like somewhat in the realm of believability. But Hey, if we're going to start getting into mutant territory, we got the fantastic four coming. Yeah. Open the floodgates, get people used to the goofy shit. Cause there's no point in hiding it anymore. We're, yeah. we're beyond the pale. Please do. Like, I don't need to know why Kang can do what he does. Right. He says he can do it, and it makes him a good villain. He's got a sweet power suit, you know? Yeah, and a chair that travels through time. Yeah. Let's go. So, yes, to be clear, we both enjoyed this movie a lot. Like, for me, it's, like, a solid, like, eight, maybe a seven if I'm feeling critical. But, like, I think there's just, like, a lot of... it's, It's in the context of everything else makes it like we're putting this under a microscope, but I think like there is more 
strong parts of this movie than there were in like Thor, Love and Thunder, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. In my opinion, just like thinking about going back to rewatch them. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think I was getting a little bit ahead of myself talking about all the other implications. This was a fun time. At the end of the day, it still did what an Ant-Man movie should do, even if it was slightly less funny. It makes you laugh. It does make you laugh. Jim Gaffigan makes you laugh again. <laughs> Ant-Man <Love> the- <laughs> makes you... I, I, I don't got anything. Makes you smile, man. Yeah, it does. That, that one made me smile. That jig made me smile. All right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> well, yes, uh, we hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed the movie and this episode. And uh, look forward to checking in with us next week for our two-year anniversary episode where we're going to talk about Endgame. And Spoilers, just, we're going to watch it like right now. We're going to watch it now. And that's going to basically bring us full circle with our Marvel Studios discussion. Look, Griffin doesn't know this yet, but we're going to rewatch all the ones we saw in theaters, though. We'll get there eventually. Like next. Oh, okay. All right. Like our Marvel watch. We'll just keep going. <laughs> How fast do you think we're going to like loop back around? <laughs> we're going to see. We're going to see. I mean, I don't care if it's fast. Yeah. But no, no. Uh, like I want to rewatch like Shang-Chi. So do I. You know, like, yeah. and, and I want to rewatch like the Eternals and stuff. We're going to do it. Like I need out of the movie theater experiences of these movies. Yeah. Black Widow. Am I going to cry on the couch? I don't think so. Well, let's not, you know? let's not, uh, make any conclusions yet. It could always happen. You forgot about Black Widow, probably. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm due for a rewatch. See? So, yep. Look forward to that stuff, too. We got plenty we have of fun some other stuff fun out. Marvel cinematic masterpieces coming your way after Endgame. Oh, yeah. You have no idea. <laughs> and, and until then, <laughs> we, we are, are out of the, the Superverse. superverse.